Well, it is episode 11 of the Motor Focus Model podcast. I guess this makes it our Larry Perkins special. There's nothing else we're going to talk about Larry Perkins within it, but it is episode 11. G'day, everybody. Aaron Noonan here. Dimitri Camino is with me from Motor Focus as we talk model cars and trucks of all sorts. And in the wake, Dimitri, of the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000 on the weekend, the great race is run and won, and uh, a pretty special win for Holden in the end. Yeah, hi, Noons, and uh, great to pay a little bit of respect there to Larry Perkins, uh, calling us <laughs> the LP11 podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a, what a what another great race, and um, the gears really deserved the win. You know, he made his move in, in the wet uh, when everyone else was sort of uh, not as quick, and um, I guess he uh, never let it go from there. Well, you're right. He, I think from memory, he got the lead on lap 56, and that car led every lap except one in a pit stop cycle uh, from there to the end. So, yeah, it was a crucial moment when he got that move on Will Davison to, to grab the lead, and uh, he and Garth Tander were the, the form horse or the lion, I guess you'd say, and managed to, uh, to drive away. And probably the most common question you've copped in the last 24 to 36 hours, what's happening with the model announcement of the, the Bathurst winning number 97 Red Bull HRT Commodore? Yeah, we certainly have been uh, smashed with um, people wanting to uh, pre-order, so that's, that's really good news. They've um, they really responded to, to our, our call about how important it is. And um, look, Classic Collectibles will make that car. They've got the, the rights to do 888 vehicles. So we'll, we'll have uh, the details probably, you know, any day. And uh, we'll get it on our website as soon as we get the full details. We, we, we are taking orders via email and social media platforms at this stage. Uh, but on our website, we'll, we'll wait till we get all the full details. So, you know, we know the pricing, we know release dates and things like that. So keep an eye on motorfocus.com.au or the Facebook page is probably the best way to contact you guys on socials, Instagram as well. Any way to get to you. And, and I think that's probably... It's really great to hear so many people have expressed so much interest because a popular victory, first time winner in Van Gisbergen, last factory Holden, close fight finish, all of those classic elements that bolt together to make a car or a model car uh, very um, sought after from collectors. But it sounds like our thing of banging on and on and on about pre-ordering is starting to work. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, we've seen the lower... Uh, production runs and people missing out. And we're also seeing certain cars, you know, going through the roof in price within within a week or two of being released. Uh, look at Cam Waters' uh, Sandown car. That is, you know... Uh, I saw one for seven... Yeah, I saw one for seven, eight hundred dollars the other day. Yeah. It's... Uh, and that's the thing. If they make them in small runs because people don't pre-order them, the prices will go through the roof. Yeah. And just on Cam Waters' uh, Bathurst car, you know, I believe it will get done. Uh, Authentics will, will do that. But we may have to wait a little bit longer for announcement on that because uh, the 2020 uh, season car, we haven't had an order form for that as yet. So we want to sort of try and keep it in order. Uh, so we'll just have to uh, wait and see what, what Authentics um, program is there. Interesting to see what all of the model manufacturers do in terms of, I'm sure they want to make the models of all of the cars they hold the license agreements for, but sometimes we've seen that the minimum quantities just aren't enough to make certain cars. It's staggering. We talked about this, that the 
runner-up uh, HRT Red Bull car from last year with the same drivers with the retro livery that finished second didn't get enough pre-orders to be made and uh, initially, and then it was there was a bit of confusion over the communication. And uh, from my memory, that's being made, isn't it? But you yeah. go from, oh, not sure, maybe uh, um, we'll do a certain number to people banging down the door. Uh, it's amazing the difference between finishing second and first. First is the first, first winner every time. And second, eh, yeah, that's okay. But it's interesting to know what other cars will be made too, because, you know, from the point of view of Bianchi, they've got the Kelly rights. So the, the Castrol one-off Mustang with all the fans' photos, my photos on it, your photos on it too. Uh, I reckon that car would go really well. The Ned Whiskey car with, with Heimgartner, uh, that's been a solid performer this year. Whether they make a Bathurst version and a season version might be a little bit of overkill, but I think there's probably the great opportunity this year to see more of these cars made than not in previous years. We don't have retro liveries from Sandowns because we haven't had that event this year. Uh, I reckon that there's a pretty solid chance that given the, the season that we've had, we'll get pretty good uptake. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did ask um, Richard from uh, Bianchi about the Castrol car, knowing that uh, you and me and a few other fans are on it. Um, you know, it's, it would be a difficult livery in 118 scale. But yeah. uh, look, if they could make it, and there's probably a thousand faces on that car, so there's a thousand sold. Problem is, you just won't be able to see your face. It'll be that small. You could say, that's me there. Is it really? Yeah, sure. Mm, not really. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a good story. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, no doubt that car will give um, Bianchi a bit of a headache, but we'll, we'll see what they can come up with. Look forward to seeing what uh, happens. Now, let's talk about what has arrived in very recent times since we last spoke a fortnight ago. Uh, Mustangs. We keep the, the chat about Mustangs from supercars. Keep it rolling. Uh, a, a Shelby GT500 from Maisto is, is on the line now. Yeah, so we haven't had uh, much product in from Bianchi Apex Classics in the last fortnight, but I really wanted to mention these Maisto uh, Ford Mustangs. Uh, as you say, the Shelby GT500. So we've got an orange car with black stripes, or there's a blue car with white stripes, and they're just really cool-looking, tough-looking, you know, beefed-up modern Mustangs. Um, and at you know, a retail price of $89.99, they're, they're excellent value. And that's 118th. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It's yeah. great value. Yeah, so they're selling really well already. And they've also, if you're a, a GM fan, there's a Corvette Stingray as well. Yeah, correct. So another one from Maisto that uh, is a new mould is the 2020 Corvette Stingray. So this is the, the first of that um, mid-engine Corvette. Kind of looks like a Ferrari at times. <laughs> Uh, it comes in red or uh, a gunmetal, and again, eighty nine ninety nine, excellent value, um, definitely worth checking out. And a sixty seven Mustang in the mix too. Yes, yeah, Salido, uh, we've had this car before in a in a white with uh, blue stripes, but now we've got the so it's a sixty seven GT five hundred, uh, so blue with white stripes, and again, excellent value at one hundred and ten dollars. They they do only have opening doors, but um, really well-crafted model for the money. Now, we love our extra bits and pieces. The cars are important and special, but uh, putting the little bits and pieces that go with them, uh, when it comes to mechanic figurines, tyre racks, workbenches, you've got to pile that stuff coming in too in 118th. 
Yeah, we've had another wave of uh, this really cool stuff. So perfect for the dioramas, you know, in and around cabinets. So like you say, there's a there's a host of mechanic figurines. Uh, also a cool tire rack and like a workbench that people can set up and throw some tools and things like that on. So uh, in our accessories section on our website. Um, now, from uh, the the Aaron Noonan studio, <laughs> uh, arriving any day, we've got... Um, Cedo's book, The Official Racing History of Glen Seaton, and the Triple Eight Racing's first team to 200 signed limited edition print. Mm -hmm. So you may be able to remind us about the, uh, the details and the quality of, of those items. Well, high quality, top-notch quality, no other quality. Uh, Glen Seaton's book, 320 pages. It's hardcover. Uh, he's done a great job. Um, working with Stefan Bartholomeus, who's uh, engaged with us on, on looking after this project with us. Uh, Stefan is the uh, digital editor of supercars.com and formerly with Speed Cafe. Uh, it's a beautiful book, and I'm not just saying that because we've done it, but massive amount of photos. It's not a uh, traditional autobiography and you get the paperback version with a couple of photos. This is a hardcover, full-colour uh, book right through from his karting days, from as a kid growing up right through to his most recent racing in TCM and uh, his son Aaron racing. And it's got all of his car histories in there from the GSR and FTR uh, Falcons and Sierras. It's, it's come up beautifully. It's at the printer at the moment. It's being printed in Australia. We're due to get stock here in our office in Melbourne in about two weeks time, week and a half, two weeks. And then from there, we'll be obviously dispatching um, stock to our, our stockists, including your good selves at Motor Focus. Uh, the Triple Eight print celebrating the first team to 200 championship race wins, which was Shane Van Gisbergen in Townsville earlier in the year. So that car's become a bit more special in the last couple of days. It's won their 200th race and it's now won a, a Bathurst 1000. Signed by Shane, Jamie Winkup, Craig Lowndes, because they are the three drivers involved in at least uh, every one of those 200 race wins. At least one of them has been in the car for, for each of those races. Uh, it's a beautiful print. It's limited to just 500 and uh, it'll be available to our stockists and arriving, I would say late next week, early the week after. So uh, late October, early November, not far away. Uh, limited to 500. We've still got a little bit of stock available. So if you're uh, a motor focused customer, by all means, get onto Dim and the team to uh, lock yourself in one and we can make sure you don't miss out. But uh, it's come up really nicely. It's a meter wide. Uh, it features every chassis, every car that has contributed to the 200 wins, which I think is about 23 or 24 cars off the top of my head. Photo of each one with how many races each contributed. Signed by the guys. Uh, it looks fantastic. It'll be a, uh, a really cool piece of Triple Eight memorabilia. That's great. Even better if you, uh, you have a few more to sell. So we've got a couple left, but limited to 500. So we, uh, yeah. uh, we, we can't uh, go beyond that because then it's not special. We like to make stuff special. Uh, the guys at Authentic Collectibles have been pretty busy as well, not just with, they've been a bit quiet in terms for you in delivering model cars of late, but I'm sure there's a few on the way, but uh, they've also been in print land and they've got a, uh, a Dick Johnson racing, uh, well, they've got a few. They've got two variants of the 1981 True Blue Bathurst winning Falcon, one that's got a, a metallic gold background. So that's 89.99 and a blue limited edition that's $69.99. And I know from dealing with those guys, their variant prints, the ones that are smaller run with the different background color, which they've done with Scott McLaughlin cars and stuff like that, 
they go like hotcakes. They are really popular. So you better you better be quick on that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's available available for pre order now on our website. Like you say, there's the uh, there's the gold limited edition version and the what we call the blue limited edition prints as well. Uh, they're also going to release a 40th anniversary of Dick Johnson Racing, DJR Team Penske. Uh, it will be signed by Dick Johnson as well. It's 99.99, and it has a host of cars um, that have uh, featured prominently for, for the team over the years. Yeah, car from every year from 1980 to 2020 on it. There's a big... Um, uh a big element of different imagery on the, the main part of that print from whether it's Shell or Jim Beam or um, Sierras, Falcons, Mustangs. It's a pretty wide ranging one and uh, one that's pretty cool. And yeah, Dick Johnson is going to sign that. So I think a signed Dick Johnson limited edition print at ninety nine ninety nine is is good news. So jump on motorfocus.com.au, get in touch via socials or drop into the store to make sure that you don't miss out on that one for all those DJR fans. Now we get tons tons of questions uh we've we've got more this week so let's barrel into them uh our second hand sections coming up where we're going to start with the bathurst winning cars of 1963 to 1970 and we'll keep going with that throughout the course of the rest of the year on our remaining episodes david power no relation to will i presume is he from toowoomba do we know I don't know where he's from, but I'd be claiming mm. that he's a cousin or a relative. Yeah. <laughs> True, fair point. Uh, he says that there's, he seems, um, I'll start again. He's noticed that there seems to be some hesitation from collectors about resin models because of the lack of uh, opening parts and other details. He's got a Craig Lowndes uh, Bianti model in resin. He thinks it's great and he's waiting for the Nissan Bluebird that Authentic Collectibles are doing. He says that the Lowndes car wasn't cheap but do you think resin models will become the norm in the future for models for limited runs or will die-cast still be the flavour for collectors? Yeah, excellent question, David. And um, look, traditionally, us collectors of Australia have been so spoiled with uh, fully die, uh, opening parts, die-cast models. And, and as we've sort of mentioned in the past that... Um, you know, we are going to start seeing more resin models just purely because of the lower lower numbers to produce um, when, we, when we're looking for different things and also uh, the uniqueness of certain cars like the uh, Group C uh, Nissan Bluebird. Um, they just, there's only a couple of variations they can make. So to make it in die cast, you know, they, they've really got to be producing a minimum of 5,000 uh, cars out of a mould. So if they don't think they can get there, they're going to have to do it in resin. Uh, so th there was a little bit of hesitation uh, in the market, particularly when we first started seeing resin. But, you know, we're, we're, we're coming around to the fact that if we want those unique cars in our collections, then, you know, resin has to be utilised. And it's not just Australian models. We're seeing it for models all over the world. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. It's a lot to pony up you know, dollar-wise to tool up for die-cast. So you've got to make sure as a business that you can make it make sense. Uh, Alan Lightbourne, probably slightly connected question, actually, when I think about it. He said that NASCAR models have 124th scale for just about every car. He says they're great size and great quality. Why isn't this scale popular or used much in Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, look, I think it's, it's another case of, 
you know, traditionally when Bianchi came along and started uh, making Australian cars, it was 118th. And uh, that was the boom of, of collecting in Australia. So a lot of people started with 118th. Uh, obviously, 43rd is another popular size and then 164th. So the 124 scale uh, is, is starting to gain popularity now because of pricing and uh, space in people's cabinets and things like that. So we, we will see a little bit more 24 scale coming through the system. Uh, Diecast Distributor, Distributors Australia is certainly uh, taking that path. And, um, but I think to answer the question, it's just purely traditionally we've been 118th scale collectors. That's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, Rob Thompson, regular listener of the podcast, he says, look, talking about the last episode with the, the XY twin, we, uh, twin mirror model is what I was trying to say. Uh, if there's a model car that's been produced with something different, i.e. a mistake or an issue, does it make it valuable? He says, for example, he's got a Bianchi 118th scale 1999 Dick and Stephen Johnson Shell Helix Bathurst Falcon, AU Falcon. And he says on the driver's rear side window, it says Johnson Johnson, but on the passenger side, it says Lowndes. Is this considered a unicorn car? And have you seen or heard about anything like this in other models? Uh, well, there certainly have been the odd mistake like that uh, come through the system. Unfortunately, in Australia, we just don't seem to run with them. And, uh, you know, the, the XY twin mirror was... A, was was a little different. It was the second sort of XY Falcon available. There was there was just a craze on them. But you know, a, a car that I can think of, Rob, is the um, 2003 Ambrose Ingle Bathurst car. That was the one where they combined the liveries from the Caltex and um, Pertec. Uh, a few of the cars had Lowndes and Seaton on one side of the rear window. So. Lowndes seems to uh, <laughs> make his way around the model world on, on cars he didn't even drive. Uh, so it's what we call a variation, in, uh, and that, that sort of comes from the, the world of Hot Wheels. They, they just go nuts over variations, like there'll be a car that's got a, a different set of wheels on it, and the collectors go nuts over them. But with our 118th scale or, or 43rds and that sort of thing, yes, we see mistakes, but... I just don't see them being unicorn cars, unfortunately. Uh, but maybe we can we can start that trend going here, and um, we'll start by valuing Rob's uh, model there at let's make it five thousand dollars. <laughs> well, he'll uh, he'll be very happy with you, but he'll be even happier if someone stumps up that five grand to buy it. That would be. <laughs> yeah, uh, let, sure let's, Let's see how that goes. Uh, Sean Littler asks, he's loving the 118th trophies and newspaper celebration uh, headline posters that have been traditionally handed out on the podiums and things like that over the years. He says, will you do a replica of the 1966 Armstrong 500 at Bathurst? He knows it's hard as the trophy was thrown out by someone at BMC when they moved offices, which I think that's a crime and you should be jailed for that for throwing out a Bathurst 500 um, trophy. But... Uh, I've got to, I'm probably going to be a bit more on the scene to answer this one. I reckon that's a struggle because we're going to need to find some archive photos to be able to 
replicate that. And um, we might have to have a talk to our mates at Muscle Car Magazine because they're probably the guys or, or perhaps at Autopix who uh, have stuff from that era. So possible, but not completely easy. Yeah, well, the only way I could probably answer that question myself would, would be to say, Aaron, any photos laying around? Um, so, <laughs> and I would ring those other guys. So <laughs> Yeah, but, but really interesting that, uh, you know, Sean knows that it was thrown out. Um, you know, great, great bit of information there. And, um, you know, so many of these little stories uh, from the past are, are, are hidden treasures. And literally that trophy is a hidden treasure somewhere in a, a tip somewhere rotting away for the last 50 odd years. Uh, Stuart Jamison uh, says he's really enjoying the podcast, which is, as we always say, a great way to get your question asked on the podcast. He says, any plans to do more luxury Australian models, such as the Holden Calais and the Ford Fairmont in 118 scale? He thinks that there'd be a lot of people who've got these types of cars that would love a model of the car that's in their driveway. Yeah, look, we would love to see uh, more variations in, in, you know, the cars being made, like like he says, the Calais and Fairmonts and things like that. Um, Classics have done a, a few Fairmont uh, XYs and that sort of thing. It's, it's a hard one. They just don't get the volume that they need to do minimum order runs and things like that. But... Uh, but the world of resin is, going, is opening the doors for those sort of cars as well. But nothing in the system that I'm aware of right now. Uh, there's a lot of cars that they, they, they're wanting to make first and then we'll get to hopefully uh, see more of these cars in the future. We'll wait and see. Uh, Nick's got the next question, loves the podcast. Good way to get the question into the podcast. He's wondering if Classic Collectibles will make the 1963 Red Cortina that won Bathurst since they've done a red Cortina road car. He knows that Apex has made the Bathurst car, but he doesn't like the detail and um, he won't buy it. He reckons the price is pretty steep for what's a, a sealed model. He says the Cortina from Classic is top notch. The Bathurst winner is 64. He's got in his cabinet and he's pre-ordered the 65 Seton and Bosworth car. And he said it'd be nice to have all three uh, with opening parts. Any chance that we might see Classic do that one? Uh, Nick, the problem we've got is the 63 Cortina was a four-door and uh, the 64 and 5 are both two-doors. So it's a completely different um, mould they would have to, they'd have to make another one. So uh, Apex took the opportunity to make that car um, and the only way they could really do it again is, is in the resin because it's a one-off car. Um, I know what he's saying about it doesn't have a lot of detail, but, you know, those cars back then were very, very plain and simple cars. Uh, so there's not a lot of detail inside them to, to do. Uh, so, unfortunately, I think the only way we're going to get that car in our collection in is uh, to hunt down one of the uh, ones produced. Mm, yep. Uh, Craig Pearl is a regular listener to the Motor Focus Model podcast. Asking, are they ever going to make the 1997 Dick Johnson Racing Bathurst car and the Scott McLaughlin DBS uh, championship winning Fujitsu car? He said Bianti will be doing more EL and EF Falcons, so he would think that they would do the 97 Bathurst car, but he hasn't heard any talk of Scotty's DBS car, but it'd be a great idea. And I would have to agree because given what Scotty's gone on and done, as we've talked about on this podcast before, drivers like him who become stars, 
some of their early cars might not have been made because they weren't a star at the time. And then you're looking to fill some gaps backwards in the collection. And, and that's where some of these companies will go. Uh, thoughts on those two things? Yeah, look, for sure, Bianchi have indicated that they will be doing more ELEF Falcons and uh, the DJR team is, is high on their priority with, with that program. They're just trying to get the first sort of ones out of the, out of the factory, which aren't too far away. Uh, and then hopefully um, they, can, they can get some more action there, because it, but it's definitely on their, their radar. Um, I would love to see Scotty's DVS car done as well. Now, is that a, was it a Commodore? No, FG Falcon, Stone Brothers run car. Oh, that's yep. right. Yeah, then he went to... And then he was at GRM. Yeah, yes. so, so there's yep. actually a few, it's probably a good little topic to quickly discuss, but you could do, McLaughlin started in a BF Falcon, from Stone Brothers in 2010 when he was, well, what, 16, 17. Uh, then he moved to an FG and then he won the title the next year in, or was that 2012? So he was in his third year. So there's actually an 11, 2011 DVS car, a 2012 DVS car, a 2010 BF, the older model. And that's before he ends up, uh, uh, jumping, of course, into the Techno Enduro car in 2012. So, yeah, there's a couple of versions. The championship-winning car would be the one that is the, the the go-to. But if you were looking to, you know, get a bit more value out of doing some McLaughlin FGs to do the 2011 car as well would not be a bad idea. Yeah, I, look, I think the, the stonewall there might be the fact that FG Falcon Moulds, Classic Collectibles have one. Uh Authentics don't. Bianti or Apex, I think they've got a resin, a resin one in their in their arsenal. So it's whether you know they can make it sort of work in the way of rights and licensing and things like that. So there's a bit of a crossover there between the uh, the way that the teams are aligned. Uh, like classic collectibles, yes, they've got a mould, but they're not really aligned with those teams that ran those cars anymore. So it would take a little bit of, um, you know, that they'd really have to want to uh, make it happen. Um, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep pushing them. Uh, just pick up the phone. That's all I need to do. Anyone who wants to make a model car, talk to the right people who used to run them or own the IP and away you go. Uh, Wade's got a question. Uh, the Bianti first and last Commodore is a nice set in both 143 and uh, 118th. Will we, once, will we one day see? I'm tripping a lot here. Some of our questions are very, will we one? It's blah, 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 blah. Um, are we going to see a Ford version of it from Bianti? Maybe even a first and last GDS GT twin set. Could that be a, a thing that they could uh, do? Because Wade sounds like he's keen. Yeah, look, we're, we're really under the pump today with these questions. They're, 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 they really raised the bar on us. And, um, yeah, look, the problem, again, with doing something like the first and last Falcon is lining up moulds. You know, Bianchi were able to do the, the Holden set because they had owned a VC um, mould for many, many years and then they made the SS Commodore in more recent years, so they were able to put them together through their own factories. So it's going to take someone to probably uh, specifically set up tooling to do sets like this. Uh, we haven't seen a last Falcon model as yet, 
we've seen last GDFs, but we haven't seen the last Falcon. I believe Apex Bianti sort of want to go down that path, so it, it could open up that opportunity in, in the future. We'll wait and see. We'll keep our fingers crossed for Wade. Mark Wren is an American, so we are going worldwide with the Motor Focus Model podcast. And he says he loves the supercars, but this is where it gets a little strange. I also like the super utes a lot. Well, it's nice to know that there's one in America who knows what super utes even are or were. He reckons he'd love to see some super utes diecasts. Is there no market for them or what? Oh, I think uh, I think we know the answer to this one. Yeah, look, thanks, Mark. It's great to uh, hear, hear from someone in, uh, in America. Look, the Super Utes just never took off in Australia. Um, they, they may have if they were able to run around this year with the LS1 motors, but nothing really happened there, did it? I think that's due to happen next year. There's been a bit of uh, planning go on. They have tested a car with that yeah. uh, V8 jammed in the front of it, so... Yeah, uh, I think the, the plans and the hopes are that next year, once we ride out the current COVID-19 situation and racing's been a little bit tricky for semi-pro or amateur spec racing, uh, that then we can see that category reborn on a track. But it probably needs... If you've got a star driver to drive one of those and win something in it, then there'd be half a chance. But you'd need to make enough variations to make it worth your while. So it probably wouldn't float. Yeah, that that is a, a valid point, mate. It's um, it's a great. I think it would have been great if they ran the V8s from the start, but obviously there's reason they didn't do that. Uh, you know, we were always busy selling models at the track when Super Utes were on because <laughs> they, they just didn't they was, just didn't get an audience. Good and, for business. Good for the the pie vendors, the model car sellers, the program sellers, the yeah. merch operators. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm not trying to rubbish that series at all. I, I think they just missed the mark with with um, you know it was relevant to the car market, but it wasn't relevant to race fans as as much as it should have been. So you know if they can get the V8 in there and they can get a, a good grid and like you say get some stars in there, you know. Show, show some uh, real good racing out there, and and who knows? But I can't see it happening in the in in the future unless something like that dramatically happens. I would agree with you there. Uh, Will Dale is next. Now he's a long time listener, first time caller. Uh, he works in my office, by the way, and he is. We should give him a, a big plug. He's the audio engineer who takes our podcasts and makes them sound pretty and better than we can make them. So. Thank you, Will, for all your ongoing work. But he's got a good question here. He's not raised this recently, but he's, he's launched it here for, for you to go with. He's got a question about 118th scale Mazda RX-7 models, in particular the road-going versions of the early 90s. Is there any chance of any of the 12-hour winning cars from 92 to 94 ever being made in 118th or at least a road-going version that could be code-threed? Um, he thinks that Kyosho made one a long, long time ago. Um, is he right? Is he wrong? Is it possible? What's the scenario? Because given the rise of the 12-hour with the GT era, I think anything that would be from the production car era might have a bit better chance. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for the um, question, Will. And it's great to know that you're, you're listening, particularly doing the job that you're doing. <laughs> well, so. he's got to listen to it because otherwise how does he edit it? Yeah, yeah. 
full marks to him for for listening uh, to, to very intently, very intently. Yeah, yeah. but he's right. Uh, Kyosho did make a model of the RX seven. He's talking about uh, haven't seen him for many years, and so hopefully uh, Kyosho will produce some more in, in in the future. So so we can get a code three done, but to to have it actually made as a as the actual Bathurst winners and things like that. The difficult part of that is all the extra little retooling bits and pieces they need to do, like a roll cage, and it probably had a different seat. And you know, the interiors are, are, are generally different to the road car for safety and, and things like that. So retooling for a low-run model like this might be a bit difficult, but the, the carrot there is uh, Johnson Bell won it in one of those years, didn't they? Uh, they they won the Eastern Creek 12-hour in the SP version RX-7, the triple M car with the big wing on the back. So, oh, right. yeah, yeah the, the, the car that Will's talking about won 92, 3 and 4 in the factory blue and silver and then in the BP colours with uh, Greg Hansford and Neil Crompton won in 94. So yep. there'd be a few different variant uh, numbers and liveries from that period, but the, the Johnson Bow one would be the, the real kicker, wouldn't it? Because... A Dick Johnson model will help um, kick things along, but it's yeah. a different, you know, it was the RX-7 was the base car, but the RX-7 SP was a homologation special. I think they had to build 30 of them off the top of my head or 50 or something like that to be eligible for GTP at the time. And, and that's what they did and they, they ran them. But uh, it would be the same problem that you're talking about for the, the, sta- the more standard RX-7. Yeah, for sure. So I think, uh, well, we're just going to have to hope that, uh, Koyasho can bang out a few more colour variations of, of the RX-7 and um, Code 3 time. He might have to keep an eye on eBay and see if there's anything floating around. You never know what might be yeah. out there from years gone. That's... Well, I, I had a look and uh, they certainly are on there, but they're sort of four or $500 model now. Wow. wow. Well, at least that car was probably 150 to 180 Mm, mm. So it shows they haven't done them for a long time and, and people are tra- uh, chasing them down. But if there's someone who's a hardcore Mazda fan who wants to commit to getting one and then getting someone to code three it, uh, they're probably out for a bit of money, but it's going to be a pretty cool bottle at the end of it. So yeah, could be worth doing. Hey, uh, secondhand market is a really popular segment on the Motor Focus Model podcast. And we announced it last time that we're going to go through era by era, section by section of Bathurst history. We're going to start at the start and work our way forward. So people want to know, and we get asked this a bit, and you get asked it a lot, what's their Bathurst winning cars worth? And, well, this is an opportunity for us to to run through uh, those scenarios, how many were made, what they're worth, what you should keep an eye on uh, with them. So let's start at the very start. And we kind of talked about this car earlier anyway. The 1963 Cortina of Harry Firth and Bob Jane, as you mentioned uh, the only available version is the Apex Replicas resin version. 1,002 of those made, and they're pulling pretty good money because it's a short run and uh, nobody else has made that car. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as, like you say, we, we, uh, it was raised by Nick. So, you know, 700 bucks is, is not out of the question for that mall. Um, yes, it's resin and all that, but, hey, if you want it in your collection, there you go. That's how it's got to be. 64, Bob Jane won again, this time with George Reynolds. Uh, this is a, a car that Classics has produced, and uh, you can still get that for a pretty decent number. 
Yeah, correct. So it was only released well, a year or so ago. So 1,600 of them made and its release price was 280, uh, which you should still be able to find it for that. So a good one to get hold of ASAP if you don't have it. Before the uh, graph starts to go up on the price. Uh, yes. 65 Cortina, we covered off a bit earlier. Uh, uh, Barry Seaton and Midge Bosworth. Uh, Classic Collectibles are due to release that in early 2021. So it's probably the same scenario, 64, get in now, snap it up, and then uh, sit back and watch it go up. Yeah, correct. So available to pre-order for the 1965 uh, Bathurst winner. Release price is 289. And uh, so make sure you get that when it is released. 66 is one that's favourite. Uh, in fact, a lot of these were mentioned during questions, weren't they? Uh, we covered off about the minis and the the potential of a, a winner's poster or a um, more so a trophy. Uh, Renault Elton and Bob Holden, uh, the, the Mini Cooper S that won in 66, they finished one through to nine. Uh, they dominated like no other car has ever dominated in a top 10 in Bathurst history before. They actually made a fair amount of those, but they're still pulling good numbers. Why? Yeah, look, it's it's a gorgeous little model. Um, it's actually a Kyosho uh, produced model for Bianchi. So good little bit of detail uh, in a plain, plain car as well. They didn't have a lot in them. Uh, 3,000 made and you can expect to have to pay around six to $700 for that model. And, and I think it's just unique because it's the only winner of in Bathurst winning Mini, uh, although... It's an amazing car when you look at the history. They ran for so many years. I, I, it's, it's just fascinating. Like when, they, when you first see them in the old footage, right through, you know, they're obviously always a class winner sort of thing, but the, the period that they raced was, was quite amazing. So, um, yeah, really cool little model to have. I think minis were running right through to the mid-70s at Bathurst before they effectively had the rules changed to end up getting rid of them because they were just... Uh, Hanging on, hanging on. So little car, big price tag. Now, the first of the V8 Bathurst winners, though, Dim was uh, 67, Falcon XR GT, Harry Firth, Fred Gibson. It's also the first of the Bathurst winners to be produced by two different uh, model companies, and that's happened over the years with a few different ones. Uh, Bianti made a run. Classic did some more. Uh, Has that changed the value? Are they worth the same? Are they worth a bit different? What's the difference between them, and which one would you pick? Yeah, that looks a beautiful model produced by Bianchi and Classic Collectibles. I don't see a lot of difference in in them in that way. Um, either example is going to sort of set you back five to six hundred dollars. Uh, one benefit of the Bianchi produced model is it has a signed certificate by both Harry Firth and Fred Gibson, so it's a little extra touch there. And with fifteen hundred by Bianchi, two and a half thousand from Classic. Uh, and the reality is, with the Bianchi signed certificate, Harry's gone, sadly. Uh, so, uh, for mine, that's the one I'd be picking if I, if I could have my choice. But uh, 1968 for Holden fans, their first win, the Monaro GDS 327, Bruce McPhee, Barry Mulholland famously drove his one single lap that he was allowed by Bruce to meet the regulations where he had to have a co-driver and he didn't want one. Uh, but Bianchi have produced that and it's pulling good numbers still too. Yeah, correct. Uh, beautiful model produced by Auto Art for Bianchi. Um, six to seven hundred dollars is what you're going to pay for 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 one of those beautiful uh, HK Monaros. And you're probably going to have to dip into the same 
price tag uh, in terms of the 69 winner, the, the Colin Bond, Tony Roberts, GDS 350 HDT card. That's about the mark. And that was a, that was a Bianchi one as well. Yeah, that's, that's right, mate. Uh, $700 is, is a fair value for that, for that model too. Okay, 1970, the last of our cars that we'll focus in on this episode. And, of course, Alan Moffat, 50th anniversary this year of Alan Moffat's first win in the great race in the XW GDHO Phase 2. This is one that's been done by both companies, but they've done big number runs of both, but it doesn't seem to have hurt the price tag too much. No, not at all. Look, such a popular uh, driver and uh, and legend, that is Alan Moffat. Um, yes, Bianchi produced 6,000 and then Classic Collectibles uh, years later produced another 6,000. So both examples I put in the same category, five to $600 at the moment. Uh, look, Classics was made many years after the Bianchi one. So again, technology um, came along and, they, and it is probably a, a more detailed model, but uh, the advantage of the Bianchi one, obviously, the official Alan Moffat collection with the science certificate. Definitely, definitely. Well, there it is, our second-hand market. We've gone from 63 to 1970. So in a fortnight's time, we'll pick it up from 1971 with Alan Moffat's Phase 3 GDHO and work our way through the great Group C cars of, of the 70s as well. Mate, we're done. We've had plenty of questions, plenty of second-hand market. There's plenty of new arrivals. Don't forget the website's the place to go motorfocus.com.au follow motorfocus on socials and facebook and instagram and keep those questions rolling in as well we we always have more than we can actually cope with but we try to deal with as many of them as best as we can our collectors club don't forget that five percent discount if you join the collectors club with motorfocus and it's ten dollars shipping no matter where you are around australia and how much you order so buy big and save on postage that's got to be the way to go yeah look it's it's there <clears throat> for our uh, customers to take advantage of and uh, another great way for them to, to know as soon as that Bathurst winner is uh, available for order is join our newsletter, which is very simple on our on our homepage. There's a big yellow bar there that, that they can uh, pop their email address in and get all our uh, updates and special offers or anything we've got going on. So um, definitely worth uh, adding that to your, to your list. Get in the club, get on the list. It is the way to be. That is episode 11 of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Dimitri, is always a pleasure. Uh, for all of our listeners, join us in a fortnight's time. Episode 12, we'll figure out what matches up to number 12 and it can be a, insert name here, celebration edition. Maybe the Bob Jones Ampol Max 3 celebration edition of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Anyway, we'll chat to you in a fortnight's time. Thanks, for, thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>